Well, the Lord is good. Amen. Well, let's go to Romans chapter 5 today. Romans chapter 5. Today, of course, is the resurrection day, the day that we celebrate the resurrection. And there's so many ways we can approach uh, this day and this subject and talk about Jesus. Uh, One very uh, true reality is, is that the resurrection and Jesus defeating death, defeating defeating Satan and sin and conquering all these things. This is really something we celebrate 365 around here, right? I mean, there's no day where you couldn't say that was an Easter message, (laughs) almost, because it all revolves around uh, that very pivotal act and the great sacrifice and, of course, that Jesus whooped it. And... uh, (laughs) Not Gangnam style, but uh, but I think that whoop whoop thing can't get that out of your head sometimes when you see that it's bad. But but Jesus did whoop the devil and uh, and, and and did it and, and laid all of his righteousness to our account. Aren't you glad for that? So I want to talk about this, uh, approach these things this way today, and it's a new series I want to begin. The Lord put this on my heart to talk to you about this. Romans chapter 5, let's begin over here in, in verse 6. Romans 5 verse 6. It reads, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die, but God demonstrates His own love. Everybody say, His own love. Toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ did what? Died for us. Now, when we talk about the love of God, we talk about... His love for us, these things are frequently misunderstood, but the easiest and clearest way for us to understand what true love really is, is to see Jesus on the cross for us. As the scriptures mentioned here, He didn't come and do this great thing for us because we were deserving of it because we earned it, because we were worthy of His time and sacrifice and, and all these things. No, quite the opposite was the case. You and I were unworthy, undeserving, and yet He did it anyways because of what? His love for us, based upon His love. You know, frequently you'll hear people say things like, you know, when someone experiences something good, a reward, a blessing of some kind in life, they'll say, you know, and they mean this very complimentary, they'll say, well, you know, you deserved it. You deserved it. And how many know, if you ever get a compliment like that, you might want to interject and say, uh, well, not really, but I'm really thankful. Because the reality is, we deserve really, really bad stuff. Because we've all sinned and we've come short of God's glory. We've all at times been stiff-necked and rebellious and, and, and we've done the wrong thing. And it is today very common in our culture. We want to, instead of calling things what they are, instead of saying sin is sin and 
good is good and so forth, uh, we just want to dismiss everything and say, oh, it's not so bad, or this is not so evil. I mean, compared to everyone else, you're doing pretty good. And how many know that's not what the comparison is? It's not how good I'm doing compared to how good you're doing, or my life compared to your life. It's my life compared to God. <laughs> Yikes. It's my life compared to El Perfection, the Lord Jesus. And that's not a good comparison. I fall short every single time. And But here's the thing. It's not that if I experience something good, I got it because I deserved it. No, just the opposite. I didn't deserve it and got it anyway. And that's called the grace of God. Amen. It is His mercy that is expressed, and that is the reason we don't get what we deserve. I don't want to talk about acting like sin, wrongdoing, uh, whatever you want to call it, bad choices. I don't want to act like these things are no big deal. They are a big deal. What I want to do is in the middle of my failure or anyone else's sin, I want to say, but let's look at the love of God. Let's look at His mercy and His grace. We don't ignore the wrong. We magnify the solution. And the solution is Jesus. Thank God for Jesus, for the love of God. And so, again here in the Scripture, we see that God demonstrates His own love toward us, not when we deserved it, but when we didn't deserve it. How many know when you ever you talk about love, this word love is thrown around quite a bit. It's, it's used quite frequently, very often misunderstood, very often used in wrong contexts. Uh, but it's a powerful thing when we can really r- wrap our minds around it. The love of God, this true love, is something that will change a life. It will fix a marriage. It will restore broken relationships. It will absolutely repair an insecure individual and cause them to be confident and bold and to be able to stand strong. The love of God, again, is revealed by being given to those who don't deserve it. See, the way we often view life and how we relate to each other is we look for Uh, An opportunity to show kindness to someone in our estimation deserves our kindness. Yes, they're a really nice person. I'm going to be kind to them in response. I'm going to act that way. Yet that's not truly the way that God loves us. Again, His love is revealed not in a person who deserves it, but in a person who doesn't deserve it. His love is clearly shown and accurately seen when someone is a turkey, when someone is a rascal, and he gets to wrap his arms around them anyway. He gets to show kindness to them when they deserve punishment. That's the love of God. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about this. And what Jesus did and, and what true love is, what it's not. Let me give you three things this kind of love is not. Number one, true love is not reciprocation. True love is not reciprocation. You know what that means? That's a mutual exchange. That's that's a return in kind or of like value. Uh, Everybody understands making a good deal. Okay, it's it's true love is does not work that way. Now there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm going to make. I'm going to buy things and sell things and, and hopefully have, have an, at least an equal exchange. But that's not the way the love of God works. 
Okay? It's not looking for an equal exchange. It's not looking for reciprocation. Uh, how many know that that's one of the biggest problems in many relationships and many marriages is both husband and wife are looking for the other person to do it, to do whatever they want them to do, and then they'll respond in like, in like manner. Well, if he would just do this, then I would do this. Well, yeah, but if she would do this, then I would do this. If she would just do this for me, I'd be happy to do this for her. But what happens, is, I mean, because if I do it for her and she doesn't do it back for, to me, well, that's not fair. I know that's love. Everybody with me? Yeah, that's when, that's when you're truly beginning to operate in something that is not just humanly based. That is not just naturally focused and has its origin in the, in the human mind. This kind of love comes from God. I'm going to do it for you, and you're probably not going to do it for me back. But I'm going to do it for you anyway. Hallelujah. It's, I'll scratch your back if you'll scratch my back. But how many know God scratched your back and you can't even reach his back? (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's nothing, absolutely nothing that you and I could do to repay. There's nothing we could do to to give back to him what uh, would be equal to what he sacrificed for us. Yet he was willing to do it anyway. See, let's get an understanding now of the love of God. Secondly, uh, true love is not attraction. All right? It's not reciprocation. It's also not attraction. You know, we frequently have uh, this type of language. We use this kind of language in life, especially in romance, in relationships. Uh, We talk about falling in love. Falling in love. You know, I mean, that sounds good. It sounds exciting, but it also sounds accidental. Right? Not by choice. Just going along and... Ooh. Smitten. (laughs) Oops. I've accidentally fell in love. Well, uh, that's fine. I'm not saying there's something wrong with having those type of feelings per se. But uh, that's different than what God has done towards us. It's different than what Jesus did on the cross. It wasn't, oops, I fell in love with these people. I have this I have this attraction that I cannot seem to control. No, he knew exactly what he was getting into and he loved us on purpose. He loved us by choice and he went to the cross by choice. Let me encourage encourage you again our culture's really messed up when it comes to anything revolving love. But don't define yourself just by what you find yourself attracted to on any given day. What I'm attracted to is not necessarily who I am. That's, it's a fleeting feeling. You know, one problem with, with falling in love is that many times those who fall in love at some point later fall out of love. Yeah, and so if you go in by oops, you could accidentally oops, I'm not in love anymore. Who are you? <laughs> you woke up and <laughs> how did this happen? I don't feel a thing. So... What does that have to do with anything? All right. And, and so, again, we, we shouldn't define our, our identity ought to be found in Christ. And, and how many know attractions come and go? But 
Actions are a whole nother thing. What I decide to do for someone else. What you decide to do in demonstrating your love for someone else is a whole nother story. And third, third, what true love is not, it's not emotion. It's not emotion. Everybody say E. Motion. How many know emotion is a state of feeling? Emotion, by very definition, is on the move. It's not a constant. It's something that's there one day, gone the next day. There when you treat me well, and totally gone, or at least reversed, when you don't treat me well. All right? Emotion, and many times people talk about love. What is that? What's well, what I feel. And I'm not saying, again, there's, wrong, there's, there's anything wrong with that type of feeling, but I don't really think that Jesus going to the cross was all about a feeling. Everybody with me? Come on now. Come on. I mean, you're God, and you've created the world. You've created man. You've created, and your only desire is to bless and, and to walk with them and to shower your love upon them. And yet every other turn, it seems like they, they, they want to go their own way. They want to do their own thing. They want to do exactly opposite of what you have instructed them to do. This is not about a feeling here. Because the feeling says, wipe them out. Isn't that right? The feeling goes to what people deserve. But when we're, we're talking about the true love of God, it goes beyond what people deserve. It goes, it goes beyond those type of, uh, of feelings. It goes beyond, it goes into a, a position where it's a decision. It's a choice. Those feelings come and go. How many know if you're married and you base your relationship on a feeling, you're in trouble? You absolutely are. No doubt that you had and probably do have at times some very good feelings, right? Especially in the early days of a marriage and relationship, the feelings are, are, are pretty nice. I mean, every day, just, you know, you just love that person without even trying, right? Just admire almost everything about them. They're just wonderful. But if you stay married long enough, somewhere in there, some days slip in, and you look at them and don't get goosebumps. Isn't that right? It's like, oh. That's what you look without, like without, uh, never mind. <laughs> I'm not talking about my wife, of course. It's still as good as day one. <laughs> but I'm talking about in any relationship, any relationship that's based on feelings, uh, it's only temporary. Because one day the feelings will be there, and the next day they'll be gone, and next day feelings will be there. You know, there have even been, you know, studies on relationships that show that couples who are just really kind of ready to throw in the towel at a certain point in their relationship, those that didn't, and the main reason being, you know, they're not in love, they're not feeling it anymore, otherwise they wouldn't even be discussing that, that the feelings weren't there. But those who say, well, let's stick it out anyway, we'll just stay together, that the vast majority of them within a few short years were happier than they, were ever, than they ever had been before, just from sticking it out. You know what that's called? It's called love as a commitment. It's called, it's called loving someone by choice. I've made a commitment to you. I've given my, I've decided to be this way towards you. And how many know that kind of, that kind of decision is necessary in all of our relationships, whether, uh, you know, be it friendships, be it uh, spouses, uh, no matter what the case, it can't be based upon a feeling because that is so temporary. Let's go over to the book of Jude, Jude chapter, uh, well, there's only one chapter, 
Jude. It's right before Revelation. Not Revelations. Revelation. Jude, verse 21. Jude, verse 21. Uh, Notice with me here how it says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I want you to notice that phrase right at the beginning there. This is so vitally important. It says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, who is supposed to keep themselves in the love of God? That, that's, that's you. That's me. I'm responsible to keep myself in God's love. Now, if I understand God's love at all, if I have any grasp of it, this is a very desirable place to be. This is not something like, oh man, really? I've got to keep myself in God's love? No, no, no. <laughs> it's nice. It's good, good, good. But it's still my responsibility to keep myself in that love. What if I do not keep myself in the love of God? Well, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God stops loving me. You see, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus was a guaranteed provision that God's love could be and would be with us at all times. That it wouldn't be up one day and down the next because we're not talking about feeling. We're not talking about emotion. We're talking about God's love being a permanent, abiding place that you and I could live in. Now, if I have to keep myself in that love, then it's possible for me to remove myself intentionally or unintentionally, from that love and be outside of that love. Now, now, again, not because God has stopped, because we know the Scripture says in Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So His love is a constant force toward us, but I am either keeping myself in that love or I'm not. Think about it. You've got two different lives now. Two different Christians. One who recognizes their responsibility and the necessity to keep themselves in the love of God. The other person is still loved just as much, but they did not know that they had to keep themselves in it. And they might not even know what it is, because that's common in our culture. They might not know what the love of God is. Many of them do, they didn't keep themselves. So they are living outside of God's love. Again, God didn't stop loving them. His love is extended as a constant towards them. But they are living their lives outside of the love of God. Everybody with me? Do you think those two lives are different at all? Do Do you think one is experiencing something better than the other? No doubt at all in my mind of this. One person's life is, oh, it's good. It's good. And the other person, they probably don't know why. They probably don't know what's going on here. They think, I believe in God. If you ask them, does God love you? Oh, yes. Uh, And they'll they'll have a lot of right answers. But it's possible. Otherwise, this verse wouldn't even be here. 
it's possible for a person to believe in God, to be a good person. I don't mean they're going around to like shooting people and all that kind of stuff. But they are living outside of the love of God. And what does that life look like? There are a lot of negative consequences to it. That's why if we'll recognize this, first understand what this love really is, and then stay in it. Stay in it. You're like on house arrest. (laughs) I'm staying there. I can't leave. They won't let me leave. I'm in the love of God always. This is a life almost too good to be true. All right, let, now, now let's, let's go a little bit further. Go over to John 15. John 15. You see, in Ephesians, I was going to mention Ephesians 3.19. It's a prayer there, Ephesians, that we would know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. There's a prayer that we would know God's love. Would that be important? I've got to know, I've got to know His love. You see, it would be wrong... For us to pray to God like this, Lord, just pour out your love on me. Or, you know, almost like, God, just send a love revival. (laughs) We need a revival of love. And, And Lord, pour out your love upon us. People are just so mean and unforgiving and angry and we need a revival of love. Well, that would be incorrect. The reason is because he's already done that. He's already poured out His love. His love is Jesus on the cross. And the Spirit of love came to abide on the inside of everyone who has called on the name of the Lord to be saved. Amen. There's a reason why many of us override on a regular basis feelings to get back at someone. Feelings to cuss someone out. Feelings that may arise to get revenge or, or to be spiteful towards people. I, I mean, am I right that, that even some Christians still have those feelings? <laughs> God, I'm still saved. Uh, Christians still have those feelings, but why do we? And I don't mean everyone's been perfect, but even when you do it wrong, you, you repent and get right. But on a regular basis, we override those feelings. Because there's something been deposited on, on the inside of every born-again person. It is the love of God poured out. It's this kind of, it's this kind of, it's this force that will give someone what they don't deserve. It will give people a break when they don't deserve it. It will give someone a second chance, even though, you know, your mind says, well, you chose that dude, suffer. Everybody <laughs> with me? This is how God works. How His love works in us. Okay? And, and, and so I'm not praying, Lord, just fill me with your love. No, no. I've received Jesus. Lord, here's my prayer. May I have a revelation of your love. May I understand your love. May I comprehend the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Now, John 15, Jesus was talking here to His disciples in verse 9. John 15:9. He said, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Everybody say abide. Abide Abide in my love. You know what that means? That's not a visit. 
That's really saying the same thing. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Jesus said, abide in my love. Don't cohere occasionally. Don't visit my love. Don't think about it on, a, uh, on occasion when you need it. Live there. This is to be your permanent dwelling place where you are in my love at all times. This means, see, this, he didn't say abide there. But if you do anything stupid, I'm totally kicking you out. Bam, you're out of my love for a while until you can work your way back in. Until you can earn your way back in. No. How many know, how many know efforts to, to please God or to gain right standing by Him by doing good works is futile? You and I could never do enough to cause us to be right and perfect before Him. The only way we get in is by saying, Jesus was this on my behalf. You know, it's like you read in the news. Uh, every, every year, this time of year, they put it on the TV of some uh, folks in the, in the Philippines, right? And, they, and these guys will crucify themselves. Anybody know, know what I'm talking about? I mean, not, not to death, but just to, uh, you know, suffering. <laughs> just to near death. I don't know. Great, great pain. They actually crucify themselves, nail themselves, have themselves nailed to the cross, thinking that, that this will in some way help their standing with God. You know, it's penance and these type of things and makes them worthy before God. Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. This kind of, kind of thinking is a great deception. It's a great deception. People that do that, when they're done with their suffering, they are no closer to God than they were before. In fact, probably the reality, this is sad, they're probably further away. Further away. Why? Because they're absolutely not trusting in the finished work of Jesus, what He did for them, but they're trusting in their own selves and what they do for God. We can never achieve any kind of place with God if, that, if that's the case. But Jesus said, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Stay in my love. Whose responsibility is it to stay in God's love? It's mine. If I'm not feeling, if I'm not feeling the love, and I use the word feeling loosely, all right? If I'm not feeling the love, that's not God's fault. If I'm, if I'm feeling insecure, feeling unlovely, unworthy, don't like myself, don't, you know, just don't feel like a very wor- worthy human being, that's not God's fault. Because He gave His very best for me. He gave His very life for me, the life of His Son. I mean, He paid top price for me. If I'm not feeling it, that's on me. Why? I haven't kept myself in His love. Everybody with me today? But the good news is I can. If I'll understand what it is. He said, if you keep, verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. So we can see how to stay there. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Okay, so again, Jesus was raised up so we can abide in his love forever. Now, now go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, okay, 1 Corinthians 13. Here's a real truth. People often will live and act in accordance with how they see God. Your view of God will... very likely determine how you relate to and how you treat people. And here's one of the problems. It's this misunderstanding of God's love. To, in this regard, people see, see God many times as vengeful, 
as angry, as, as, as he's just looking for an opportunity to get back at us. And, and, and he's holding a grudge against us. He's marking down all of our sins and keeping record of every wrong thing we do. And, and that's the image that they have of God and how he relates to them. Therefore, that's likely the way they treat other people. And they're doing those very same things. But a clarity of understanding that of how God relates to us can fix this. You know... First uh, John four eight says uh, says he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Well, if God is love and I know love, I mean God, I mean love. If I know God, the God of love, then I will love. But if I don't know what love is, or I don't know that God is that, then I will not love. I cannot love to the degree that I'm supposed to love unless I understand that God is love. And I have to understand what God is and what that love is to understand Him. Am I going in a circle here? See, if I say God is love, but I think love is what I've been operating in my whole life. If I think love is how, how maybe a parent treated me, or how a friend or a so-called fair, or a fair weather friend treated me, or if I've had a broken relationship here, or if my spouse has done me wrong, and I interpret, see, this is love, because it's called love, or I see it on TV, and I see all this kind of bizarre behavior in the parades and stuff, and, and they say this is love, and, 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 and they got all kinds of things going going on in the world around me and it's all said it's called love this is love this is love this is love and God is love I'm totally messed up in my relationship with God everybody with me and if I don't understand that about him and I don't see him in truth and I don't understand the reality of what love is then how in the world can I love I don't know what it is I don't know what it looks like I have no example but if I'll just bring it back to this how can I understand it go back to Jesus on the cross that's love you, can med- you and I could meditate on that all day long. And at the end of the day, we'll be closer to God than we ever were before. We'll treat other people better than we ever have before. Because now we're abiding in something that's both is, it is God, but it's also true. It's true about Him. Okay, now 1 Corinthians 13, you all know this as the love chapter. The love connection. Uh, I want to read this. In fact, let me read this to you from the uh, New Living Translation. New Living. NLT. Verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice at it about in, injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Amen. This is, a, this is a, a description here of true love. But here's the way I want us to take a look at this in, in finishing up this first part of this series here today. I want you to consider, we, all, we often look at that and we say, yes, this is how I need to act. This is how I need to treat people. And that's absolutely right. Absolutely the truth. But before I can ever treat another person, a spouse, a friend, a stranger for that matter, in a way that would be um, consistent with the love of God and how Jesus treated me on the cross, 
I must understand that this is God. But not only this is God, this is God towards me. Always. It's not just a theory that God is love. And, uh, and I don't know what that means for me. I just have life and problems and stuff. But God is love. No, this is the way that God is toward me. If I'm not experiencing that, that's a whole other subject. Okay? Abiding in that love is where I want to be. But I've got to understand what it is. And I want you to consider this for a moment. Just taking these principles right here from these scriptures. God is patient and kind toward me. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude toward me. God does not demand his own way in my life. Well, certainly God does. He's love. God is not irritable. He keeps no record of being wronged. We might say it this way. God's not irritated at me. He doesn't keep, he doesn't keep a record of, what, of the things that I do wrong. Oh, well, certainly He does. He's got no. God is love. That's not how love acts. That's not the way He is dealing with me. God does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. Or when right and truth prevail. He's not happy if I fail or if I'm being done wrong. If there's injustice in my life, God's not rejoicing over that. No, He's rejoicing when, when, we, when truth wins. Amen. God never gives up on me. He never loses faith in me. He, he's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Say, well, we need to endure. Yeah, yeah, so does God. He's enduring everything that we're going through because He loves us. That's the way He is towards me. God never fails or comes to an end when it comes to my life. He will never fail me. He will never run out and not be there any longer for me. Why? He is love and He is love towards you and me. You see, Jesus dying and being raised from the dead, this was the open door. This was, was the beginning. This enabled us to walk in something that would never come to an end. It is God's love toward us. Praise God. Amen. You know, I've got much to say, and I'll say more another day. But love... Failure to keep yourself in the love of God results in many things. It results in fear. It results in insecurity. It results in a tormented life. Failure to keep yourself in the love of God results in a disobedient life. It ends up in self-centered living. And there's much we can say about all these things, but there are so much great benefit. When we celebrate today, let's not just see, you know, Jesus, yes, He died. Jesus, He was raised from the dead and He's alive today. Yes, uh, but He provided for me and you a permanent dwelling place of, of, a, of a continual outpouring and flow of His love toward us. No matter what we've done, no matter what we do. His love is consistent to me and you.
Amen.